We're going to be taking a look today at a subject that probably many of us would prefer not to examine, but nonetheless it is a biblical subject and we want to talk for a moment or two about what the Bible has to say about hell. And we're going to do that in just a moment. I do want to make mention of the fact that our VBS is coming up in a couple of weeks and we want to be encouraging our friends and our neighbors to come and to be a part of that. I think it's going to be a great week. We have a number of good things that are being put in place for that week and we want to try to encourage all of our young people to come and to be a part of that and we want our young people to bring their friends and their family members and let's do our part to try to share Jesus with others in this community. When you study heaven, one of the things that comes to mind is that it is a mountain peak subject. Really a study of heaven takes us to the summit because that's what we're all striving for. We want to go to heaven and we want to take as many people with us as humanly possible. That's why we do our best to teach, to preach, to encourage people to live for the Lord Jesus Christ. Likewise, when we look at the flip side of the coin and think about the subject of hell, we understand that we are descending into the abyss of gloom and doom. While all of us aspire to go to heaven, I know of no one that wants to go to hell. And so what I want us to do in our study today is to take a biblical tour of hell. What does the Bible say about this subject? What did Jesus have to say about the subject of hell? As we reflect on this particular lesson, the first thing that I want to do is to call attention to the sobering picture of hell. The Bible presents a very sobering picture of this place that's called hell. By way of definition, in the original language, the word hell is Gehenna. The word finds its origin in a place located just south or southwest of the city of Jerusalem a place called the Valley of Hinnom. It was here that the children of Israel sacrificed their children to the pagan god Molech. Some would say in later times it became known as a garbage dump, a burning, smoldering dump. And so when you look at the New Testament, you find that that's the background from which we get the word hell. Now in the New Testament, the term is found 12 times. It's interesting that of those 12 times, Jesus employs this term 11, which I believe says to us that Jesus wanted to impress upon people of every generation the danger of this place. I think that the Lord would emphasize over and over again the danger of the place known as Gehenna, the hell of fire, so that people might make adequate preparation 
to one day spend eternity in hell, in heaven rather. By way of description, what does the Bible have to say about hell? When we begin to take a biblical journey through hell, what does it say? Let me just isolate for you some of the descriptions that are employed in the New Testament. Now we talk about heaven and the beauty of heaven and the figurative language that is used to convey to us the beauty and the serenity of our heavenly home. There is an abundance of language that is used to describe the gloom and doom of hell. First of all, the Bible tells us that hell is a place of fire. In Mark chapter 9, Jesus talks about the hell of fire. In six verses, Jesus talks in a very descriptive way of how hell is a place of fire. Five out of six times, Jesus says, the fire is never quenched. Now we talk about fire, fires that occur on planet Earth, sometimes forest burn, sometimes homes burn, sometimes businesses burn, sometimes automobiles catch fire and burn. But those fires are very brief. Well, Jesus said in hell, the fire is never quenched. It never ceases. And then associate with that the usage of the word brimstone. In the book of Revelation at chapter 20 at verse 10, Jesus and the New Testament writers have talked about and talk about the subject of hell. But John, a close acquaintance of our Lord, emphasizes the fact that hell is a lake of fire. And he says, it is a place which burns with fire and brimstone. Scholars indicate that the region around the Dead Sea is filled with sulfuric brimstone. Brimstone, of course, associated with sulfur. And the picture is a nauseating, suffocating, intoxicating, if you please, smell. So you have fire, brimstone, and then also smoke. Where you have fire, you have smoke. In Revelation 14 at verse 11, the Bible talks about how the smoke of their torment ascends forever and ever. So, we walk through this place from a biblical vantage point that is called Gehenna, the hell of fire. 
And Jesus tells us it is a place where the fire is never quenched. It is a place where the fire can never be extinguished. It is a place of brimstone, suffocating, noxious odors. It is a place of constant smoke. It is also referred to as a place of torment and pain. In Luke chapter 16, we have the veil lifted on the Hadean realm. And Jesus, in his narration of the rich man and Lazarus, talks about Lazarus, who is in the bosom of Abraham. He's in paradise, the abode of the righteous. On the other end of the spectrum, we have the rich man. The rich man, of course, died, was buried, and Jesus said in Hades, in Tartarus, in the abode of the wicked, he lifted up his eyes being in torment. Now in the Hadean realm, we're talking about that realm where the dead reside. One day, of course, Jesus will come and the Hadean realm will give up the dead who reside in it. We will then be assigned our eternal destinies, either heaven or hell. But if you look at Luke 16, you could make the case that Tartarus, the abode of the unrighteous, is a prelude to that place that we call hell. The Bible says that the rich man was in torment. Now when you read Luke 16, it shouldn't be lost on us that the rich man cried out for a drop of water to cool his tongue because he said, I am tormented in this flame. Now we talk about people that are tormented and people that are tortured and people who, who experience excruciating pain. I promise you, when you peer into Gehenna, the hell of fire, you can't even begin to understand the pain and the torment that will exist in that place. Let me also add to this idea that hell will be a place that is eternal. Now the Bible says in Revelation chapter 14 verse 11 that the smoke of their torment ascends up. The Bible also says they are tormented day and night and there is no rest day or night. Jesus in Matthew chapter 25 at verse 46 pictures those who are lost. And he said, these shall go away into everlasting punishment or destruction. I want you to picture for just a moment being in a place where there is no reprieve. There is no answer to the horrors, to the hurt, the anguish that people experience in that place. Now Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10 verse 28 that both soul and body which says to us that there will be a bodily resurrection 
Jesus said both the soul and body will be cast into Gehenna, the hell of fire. I would also add, I would also add by way of description that hell is spoken of as a place of outer darkness. Now some would ask the question, how do you have light or fire and darkness? Well, in the book of, in the book of Exodus chapter three, the Bible talks about how a bush on one occasion burned, but it never was consumed. I think people who are in Gehenna, the hell of fire, they will be in a place of outer darkness because they will never again experience the light of Almighty God. They will be banished from the presence of the Lord. And from, as Paul said in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 9, the glory of his power or might. Now there's a second thing that I want us to think about as we take a tour of hell. What about the sad people in hell? Here's a question that I want you to consider with me. Why will people go to hell? Now, think about our world. Some six billion people populate planet Earth. And sometimes people in a very flippant way will talk about going to hell. Sometimes individuals misunderstand the subject of hell. But why is it that people will one day go to hell? Let me answer it with one word, sin. Sin is the reason people will suffer eternal hell. In Ezekiel chapter 18 at verse 20, here's what the prophet said many, many years ago. The soul that sins, it shall surely die. The prophet there is not talking about physical death. He's talking about spiritual death, eternal separation from Almighty God. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 3 verse 23, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Paul said in Romans chapter 3, verses 9 and 10, there is none righteous, no, not one. So we understand that sin is a problem. Now, in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, Paul would say the wages of sin is death. So the reason people will be lost is because of sin. But here is a second question I want to ask, and I want you to think about this very carefully. Who will go to hell? I want to preface this by saying that hell was never prepared for those of us who belong to the human family. In Matthew chapter 25, verse 41, Jesus said, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Ultimately, hell, Gehenna, has been prepared for the devil and his angels. But sadly, the devil and his angels will have their family with them. Those who go to hell are spoken of in a very 
plain and forthright way in Scripture. So number one, I would submit unto you that those who would stand on the brink of eternal hell are people that have never obeyed the gospel. They would be classified as alien sinners, individuals who have never accepted the terms of pardon. Now we can read over and over again of God's great love for us. The whole redemptive plan revolves around God's love for the human family. Jesus said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God, God loves the human family. And the Bible says that God did not send the son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And so when you read the New Testament, over and over again, there are invitations to people of every generation to come to Jesus, to live for Jesus, and to ultimately die in Jesus. What about alien sinners? There are some, as the Apostle Paul talks about in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, who know not God, and have not obeyed the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And he said that when Jesus comes, they will suffer everlasting destruction. What does the Bible say about becoming a child of God? If the Bible says the wages of sin is death, surely there's a remedy. Well, Paul said in Romans 6, 23, the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. The saved are in Christ Jesus, 2 Timothy chapter 2 at verse 10. The means by which we get into Christ is by putting our faith and trust in him. Jesus said, except you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins, John 8 verse 24. The Lord also said, if you die in your sins, where I am, there you cannot come. What does that say? It says that if you die outside of Christ, you'll be lost. So we have to believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And then we have to repent. That means we have to acknowledge the fact that sin is a problem and that we are walking away from a life of sin. It's called godly sorrow that leads us to repentance. On the day of Pentecost, the apostle Peter said to those people that were in the city of Jerusalem, on Pentecost Day to repent. Paul would say to those in Athens, the times of ignorance God winked at, but now commands all men everywhere to repent. Acts 17, verse 30. And then we would confess with our mouth that we believe Jesus is the Son of Almighty God, that we believe him to be deity that we affirm the fact that he is Lord and Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one. And then we are immersed in water so that every sin can be washed away. Here's what Jesus said. Mark 16, verse 16. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be condemned. What Jesus is saying there is that when you respond to the gospel, you enjoy salvation. If you fail to respond to the gospel, 
you will experience condemnation. So those who have never obeyed the gospel, they're going to be lost. There's no other way to say it. Now we talk about alien sinners, but the Bible also classifies another group of people. Apostate saints. Now we're talking about people that have walked away from their first love. We're talking about people that did not continue a life of faithfulness until death. Do you remember what Jesus said in Revelation chapter 2 at verse 10? Be faithful until death. That is, you be faithful even if it costs you your physical life. And the promise is the crown of life to Stephanos, the victor's crown. Why do people leave the Lord? There are a lot of reasons why people walk away from living a life, of, a life for God. Sometimes the world ensnares people. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. Sometimes because of discouragement, because of illness or death of a loved one, people walk away from the Lord. In 2 Peter chapter 2, Peter talks about those who have forsaken the right way in 2 Peter chapter 2 at verse 15. Furthermore, he identifies those who at one time had embraced the gospel. But he said, for whatever reason, they walked away from the Lord. He said the latter end is worse for them than the beginning. It would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than to have turned from the holy commandment given unto them. I'm not sure we understand what it really means to go to hell. This past week I was reading about the subject in preparation for the lesson today. I came across a quotation by the late evangelist Marshall Keeble. Brother Keeble was a very colorful preacher of the gospel. Some have said that he was responsible for some 40 to 50,000 people obeying the gospel. Some have also suggested that through the, the influence of Brother Keeble, about 325 congregations were established all across this country. That's a, lot of, that's a lot of people obeying the gospel. Brother Keeble talked about the subject of hell. And he said, if you were to build the hottest fire humanly possible on this earth and snatch a person out of hell and place him or her in that fire. He said that person would freeze to death in three seconds. That's hot. Who's going to hell? People that have never obeyed the gospel. People that have left the Lord. In Revelation chapter 21, we read about the new heaven and the new earth coming down from God out of heaven. John, in a very concise way, pictures that heavenly city and all of the beauties and glories associated with it. He talks about how God the Father and the Lamb will dwell in that heavenly city. But in Revelation chapter 21, verse 8, here's what John said. 
but the fearful and unbelieving, abominable, murderers, fornicators, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. John is simply saying, if you choose to live a worldly life, you will pay a heavy price. You will be cast into the lake which burns with fire and brimstone. It is the second death. The reason it is the second death is because in hell, People live but never die. They die but never live. I mean, can you imagine being in a place where there is no reprieve? There's no changing your status. There's no coming back. There's no, there's no consolation that there is light at the end of the tunnel. There's hope for a better day. None of that. We're talking about that which goes on forever and ever and ever and ever. Try to wrap your mind around that. We talk about things that have a beginning point and an ending point, and what the Bible is saying is that when you step out into eternity, it is forevermore. That's what we're talking about. That's why it's imperative that we live in such a way so that we go to heaven. Now there's a third thing that I want you to consider with me. What about the scriptural preventatives to hell? In other words, what are some deterrents? How can I, as a member of the human family, how can I avoid Gehenna, the hell of fire? Well, number one, let me just ask this question. What does God want? Shouldn't that be, shouldn't that be important to us? I and mean, we, we talk about Almighty God, the fact that he is an omniscient being, he's all-knowing. He is an omnipotent God. He is all-powerful. He is an omnipresent God. He is ever-present. God is the one who created us in his image and his likeness. He has housed within us an eternal soul. Shouldn't he have a say in the matter? Shouldn't what God thinks be important to us? I think it should be. So, let me say this. God wants you to be saved and to spend eternity with him in heaven. There are a lot of people in our world today, they have misconceptions about God. Sometimes individuals think of God as vindictive and cruel and mean and a, and a, a harsh taskmaster. The Bible pictures God as a being of love and because of that great love, he has intervened on our behalf and set in motion a scheme of redemption whereby we can enjoy salvation. The Old Testament points us in the direction of the Christ. The New Testament simply says, Christ has come. And furthermore, the Bible says in the New Testament, the Christ will come again. God wants you to be saved. Here's what, here's what Scripture says. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4. God would have all men to be saved. A-L-L. -L. God wants everyone to be saved whether rich or poor, black or white, educated or uneducated, it doesn't matter. God is interested in every member of the human family and God wants all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Truth is the medium by which we come to understand the great love of God, the mercy of God, 
the grace of God. And then in 2 Peter chapter 3 at verse 9, Peter would say, God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God wants you to be in heaven with him. Do you remember in John chapter 14 when Jesus was about to be crucified and so he had an extended discussion with his apostles? As he talked to them about leaving, they became, they, they became discouraged. And so Jesus said in John 14, 1, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. But I go to prepare a place for you. The fact of the matter is, God is preparing an, an eternal abiding place for us, for the saved, for the redeemed, the cleansed. So God wants us to be saved. But there is a second thing that I think we need to consider. God wants you to know that there is not one thing on planet Earth that is worth spending eternity in hell. You tell me one thing that you would give your soul for. I don't know of anything worth losing my soul for. Do you? Here's what Jesus asked in Matthew 16, 26. What shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? If one day we were to find ourselves in Gehenna, the lake of fire, we need to understand that we are in a place that was never designed for us. God in heaven has done everything possible so that we might be saved, so that we might enjoy the blessings and the bliss of heaven. Now, a lot of people talk about heaven. A lot of people talk about hell. Most people that I know, they want to go to heaven. The problem is they are, they're not living like they want to go to heaven. Sometimes I hear individuals joke about hell. And if you... If you listen to people long enough, you get the impression that in hell, it's going to be one big party. I mean, after all, all the bad people are going to be in hell. Let me tell you what. The bar will be forever closed in hell. You understand what I'm saying? You're not going to go to the bar and get another drink. That will not happen in hell. You're not going to lie your way out of hell. You may, you may have the ability to lie with the best of them. You may be able to conceal the truth. You may be able to talk your way out of this place or that place or this jam or that jam. I promise you one thing, you won't talk your way out of hell. It'll never happen in a million years. You may enjoy engaging in sexual liaisons unlawful sexual liaisons. Let me tell you what, promiscuity will come to a crashing halt in hell. There will not be adultery. There will not be fornication in hell. You see, some of the things that we think may go on in hell, they won't be going on. When you read about hell, and I mean when you really 
spend time reading and studying about that subject, what you come to understand is it is a place that will one day be your worst nightmare. You've never had a nightmare like hell. Sadly, there are going to be a lot of people in hell. That's a fact. There are going to be a lot of people in Gehenna and they're going to spend eternity a million, a million years from now will be the same as one day. I mean, time is no more. So, here's my question. What does God want? We know what God wants. What do you want? I mean, you see, God has, God has a say in the matter. But ultimately, you have the deciding vote. You have a say in the matter. If you go to hell, you won't be able to blame, blame your mama, your daddy, your brother, your sister, your husband, your wife, your children. It's all on you. It's on you. And so I want to encourage you, come to Christ. The Bible over and over again pleads with us to come to Christ. In Christ, we are described as a new creation in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. We can't really picture the beauty of heaven and we can't really picture the horrors of hell. I want one day to be in heaven with you. I hope all of us will one day be in heaven. But ultimately, the choice is ours. If you haven't obeyed the gospel, do that today. If you're unfaithful to the cause of Christ, come home today. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. You may not have tomorrow as we stand and sing.